Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Downtown from Rebecca Wacken here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me for another edition of Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, all the way across from the other side of the the Atlantic is Reagan Moyer Jones. She's the co-founder and CEO of Aiden Anane. If you don't know them, they are the baby care business who are doing fantastic things in the world of muslins and lots more. You'll be hearing huge amounts of intelligent things from Reagan, my business shaper, very shortly. In addition to hearing from Reagan, you'll be hearing from our program partners at Mishkon Dorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, a phenomenal mix of music from the shapers of Jazz Blues to Soul, including Dr. John, Frank Sinatra, and this from the Neil Cowley Trio here on Jazz FM. That was sparkling from the Neil Cowley Trio. Thank you again for joining me. My business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers is Reagan Moyer-Jones. And as I said, she is the co-founder and CEO of the business that she calls Aiden Anane. They are in the baby care world, the world of muslins, of swaddling, and now more recently of lots of other things to do with caring for your baby. Reagan, thank you very much for joining me. I know you're on a, a short time here in the UK. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you for having me. Now, you're a mum. I am a mum. You have how many? I have four daughters. Okay. You started this business when you were doing another job, didn't you? You had a you had a, a moment of insight. I did have a moment of insight. I had the moment after I had a name, my first daughter, who was about to be 11. And at the time, I was working at The Economist. And I had been there for, at that time, eight years in various roles. And when I had a nay, I went looking for these large muslin blankets that were very common back home in Australia and they didn't exist in the US. And I thought, how can every Aussie parent have this wrong? And I'm quite sure if I introduce them to Americans, they'll get it like we get it. And luckily my hunch was right and that was really the beginning of it all. Now that was, as you said, almost 11 years ago or so. The business is now, I believe, around $60 million turnover, 72 countries. If you go back then, just so I understand the Australian mindset, I mean, in the UK, muslins have kind of been used on and off, but it obviously was a big part of, uh, of, rearing, of rearing kids and of looking after them. Where did that come from, just out of interest? In all honesty, I don't know. I just always knew that wrapping your baby in muslin was very much a part of our culture in Australia. I don't know how it started, to tell you the truth. I just knew that there wasn't an Australian household who had a baby in it that didn't use 10 of these giant muslin blankets a day. So it was very much a staple part of our culture. So you're full-time working in The Economist. You've got a young daughter Mm -hmm. and you decide you're going to set up a business in New York. That's right. Okay, so not very much to manage at that time then, obviously. (laughs) No, not at all. Sometimes people have really good ideas and that's where it ends. Why do you think you managed to convert that idea into a real living, breathing, hugely successful business? What is it about you? 
that managed uh, managed you to you know help the process happen? I'm I'm a tad type A, so I tend to challenge myself, and I never really doubted that it was going to be a success. It's not like I thought big long term, but I just believed so much in the product that I thought, you know what, there is no way that people aren't going to respond to this if I actually get it out there. It. I had the idea in 2003 and it took me until uh, the middle of 2006 to actually work out how to make these blankets and get them to market. So there was a long period of time between having a nay and then actually getting the, the product to market. But you know that i get asked often in interviews you know what was the difference between your success and others that you know have great ideas i said well i just followed through on mine you know and i think that is the problem people have these great ideas and just go oh that would be a good idea but then they actually never do anything about it find out more from my very tenacious and focused business shaper reagan moyer jones time for some music it's chicago from frank sinatra Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town Chicago, Chicago, I will show you around I love it, bet your bottom dollar you lose the blues That was Chicago from Frank Sinatra. Reagan Moore-Jones is my business shaper today and she is the co-founder and uh, chief executive of Aiden and Anne, and they make really nice muslins which are very soft and very beautiful and they do other things too. I was going to say the word condiments, but they're not quite condiments, but the equivalent for skin and lots of lovely things which we're going to come on to very shortly. You said when I asked you the question, um, well, you know, people often ask me that question about what, what makes me different and I just followed through. You're a salesperson and, and selling stuff is probably the most important part of any business because without it, you're, you know, you, you can't get anywhere. You didn't know about supply chain stuff. You didn't know about finance. And you said very humbly, well, I just followed through. I imagine following through actually meant a hell of a lot of work over those three years. What did that actually entail to make it happen? If you can bear to go back that far. Right. It was It was brutal. And in all honesty, had I known what I was getting myself into before I got myself into it, I might have thought twice about doing it. Now, obviously, that I'm out the other end and I have this wonderful, thriving business and 100 incredibly talented, more talented than me people working for me, um, I'm glad I did push through. But, uh, you know, I basically chose sleep deprivation over poverty when I started the business. So I stayed working full time at The Economist. Did they know you were doing something else as well? They okay. had no idea. And because I was a salesperson, it really, I, you know, all that mattered was that I was making my numbers. So I was doing that and exceeding my numbers. So there was never any question about what I was doing. And the way my day sort of worked is I would wake up at six with the babies and deal with the girls and then go off to my day job and then get home at about 6.30. From 6.30 to 8.30, I would focus on the girls, spend time with them. And then when they were down for the night, I would start working on Aiden and Anae. And I would do that until 3.34 every morning. And I really did survive on about two and a half, three hours sleep for a good two years whilst I was building the business. And people say specifically about women in business versus men in business, especially mums, and you have four kids, that you really can't have it all. It sounds like you were super burning, you know, the candle everywhere. You look back now and you sort of say, you know, it was brutal, but how brutal is brutal? I mean, were, were there days when you went, what am I doing? 
Absolutely. One story that, that is still extremely vivid in my mind is I hadn't washed my hair for about 16 days. Her hair's very clean today, <laughs> just, just to add. Yes, quickly. I've, I've yes. not done that for a while. That's, but, that's very reassuring. And I was, I was on the subway coming home from work and I sort of said to myself, there is absolutely no way I'm going to bed tonight without washing my hair. I'm going to log off from my Aiden and an A job an hour early and I'm going to wash my hair. So anyway, fast forward to quarter to four in the morning when I go into the bathroom and there's this greasy haired girl staring back at me and I did actually fall on the floor that night. It was very dramatic and cried for about half an hour and went, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. I've bitten off more than I could chew and went to bed with greasy hair and woke up the next morning and went, okay, well, you've had your moment. You shake it off and you just get up and do it all over again. And you didn't lean on anyone in particular. I mean, obviously, maybe your other half or some of the people. You, you just described a, you know, bouncing back from a quite, very quick, you know, uh, a moment where you've gone, hold on a second. A lot of people I interview say, well, actually, there was this person, there was that person. It sounds like you were pretty focused on recovering yourself. I was. My husband was by far and away my biggest cheerleader. And, you know, he, he took on a lot because obviously... The, you know, he was there for the girls and and me. Um, but no, I'm I pretty much just sort of did it myself. He Marcos used to worry that he couldn't do more, but it was really me and I was working in it. That said, he was our acting CFO originally and very much helped with me, you know, getting the business off the ground. But for the most part, I took it on myself. Stay with me for more from the tough Aussie, my business shaper today, Reagan Moyer-Jones. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hi, I'm Kevin McCarthy. I'm a corporate lawyer with Mishkondorea. One important piece of advice I often give my clients is not to get too disheartened if a deal that they want to happen doesn't happen the first time round. Very often, really successful transactions uh, require a bit of time and they take place on the second or third or fourth or whatever it iteration. But you know, if the deal doesn't happen the first time you try it, don't be put off. Come back. Um, circumstances change, personnel change. If a deal makes sense, it will make sense in a year. Uh, and uh, I think that's an important message to remember. Uh, I'm, when I qualified in Scotland, I... Uh, I became a notary at the same time, and every notary in Scotland has a Latin maxim and a stamp which they get at the, the time. So I carry with me a kind of metal stamp which I put on documents from time to time if required. Uh, and my Latin maxim is obisa cantavit, which means the fat lady has sung. So it's not until I put that on the papers that it's all done and dusted. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning from 9am, I get to talk to a brilliant shaper in the world of business. And if you've missed any of the past ones, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers and you will find us there. Or ft.com or cityam.com or even on a British Airways flight if you so desire. Reagan Moore-Jones is my business shaper today. She's the co-founder and the CEO still of Aiden and Anae. $60 million turnover, 72 countries. I love the numbers, Reagan. I love the country. And probably 84 different varieties of muslin you're going to tell me in a minute. I've no idea. Um, we were talking before about your toughness, really, and the fact that you push through. In those early years, those formative years, 
did you although you had a vision for the end point was there a plan on how to get there or did you just literally bump into stuff and fix it as you went along there was absolutely a lot of uh, serendipitous moments that happened along the way where I luckily chose the right path rather than the wrong path like and, what give me an example uh uh, when I, uh, I'm i a co-founder because I started the business with a good friend that went horribly bad in 2007 and that was a, there was a, a turning point there where I could either keep going or alternatively, you know, fold the business and um, I decided to keep going and there were definitely moments where I thought look I can't do this on my own it, it was more a financial I can't do it on my own mm. because we started Aiden and A at the beginning of the worst recession since the Great Depression so and you couldn't borrow money because people weren't lending money so I, I read and if it's true that you were essentially leaning on your own finances that's what you were doing for quite a while yes so when that happened with my with my friend and then partner uh, you, we mortgaged our apartment I I then went the friends and family route because there was just absolutely no access to capital at all back then, even though the business was growing and had done from pretty much day one. Um, so I was going to friends and family and borrowing money at 10% interest. And and then I went to you know very good friends who had some savings and asked them if they wanted to invest in Aiden and Anae. And I sort of you know patched it together that way. So, Did you ever doubt that it wouldn't be successful though through all those those times? I really didn't. When, especially when the it all went very pear shaped with Claudia, my my friend and ex business partner, uh, my husband said to me, "You know, do you believe in this business?" And I said, hundred and fifty percent." And he said, "Well, then fight for it." So I did. And and then um, as the business started to grow, there were, what, what was intriguing me um, was that there was a couple of years of massive growth, of super fast growth. What drove that? How does a, a business like yours, which was started from literally zero, become suddenly 10, 20, 30? Suddenly you're hitting some really big numbers. What was really the secret behind that, do you think? I, I think it was a couple of things. The main thing, though, though was that it's just a really great product, you know, and, and the mothers marketed the product for us. So... Even to this day, I've never spent money on traditional advertising. You know, we have great PR agents around the world and I'm a huge believer in PR. Uh, but as for traditional marketing dollars, we've never really spent any. And so the fact that it was such a great product and mothers and parents wanted to tell everybody about it, that, you know, that just drove awareness of our business and the product very, very quickly. And the other thing was I was very hands-on with everything you know even on the early stages you know we incorporated in Japan we incorporated in Canada we incorporated here in the UK and we did that very early on as a very young business which is not normal most people go the distributor route so it was because you know I was getting on trains and going into the middle of Japan to find warehouses and things like that myself it was yours and you had control Exactly. Very good. Stay with me for much more from Reagan Moyer Jones, my business shaper. Time for some music, though. This is from Dr. John and Bonnie Raitt. It's I've Got the World on a String. I got the world on a string. Sitting on a rainbow. That was Dr. John and Bonnie Raitt. I've got the world on a string. 
I've got Reagan Moyer-Jones right here, not on a string, but definitely um, right in front of me. And she is, if you haven't been listening, the co-founder um, and CEO of Aiden and Anae, the beautiful baby care business. I'm going to call it that because it's been caring for my baby, my latest baby, latest edition for the last 18 months or so. You talked about quality and you talked about control. For me, those are the two things that really came through. Quality is one thing as you start to grow, which is it can be hard if you haven't got the, the standards in place. It strikes me that with 100 people there, they know what they're meant to be doing and they do it. The control is a different thing because in the last couple of years, um, private equity has backed your business. Mm-hmm. You've obviously had your own equity diluted to a point, but I, I believe you still have a significant share. What's it like not being fully in control as opposed to being 100% in control? Must be hard for someone who's, a, as you said yourself, a, a type A. It is hard, but I purposely chose partners that I really believed when we went through the process of of recapitalising the business, which was as recent as last December, I chose partners that absolutely said to me, we are buying into this business, not just because of the business, but because of you. We believe in your vision. We want you to run it. We don't want you. We don't want to get involved. This on isn't a, a buyout labor. either. We want you no. there. Oh no, that was definitely not a buyout. It was. It was a capital injection to actually really be expand. able to scale the business. And do you? And do you still? Um, and so, what it sounds like is you really did choose people as much as you chose money. To, be, to back you because often I hear some pretty horrible horrible stories about private equity as well as some really good ones as well but it sounds like the recipe was the right people both ways made sure that this this was going to work. I, I have pretty much always run this business from my gut very much from the perspective of a mum before a business person and so everything is very um, done by instinct and, and gut for me. I had my first private equity partners come in in 2010 in a very small way and I was still the majority shareholder when they were involved in the business. Their names were Seidler Equity Partners, just the most amazing private equity company on the face of the planet in my pla- in my opinion. And um, and they, without them, I wouldn't have the business that I have today. So my experience with private equity was just so positive in spite of the fact that everyone said to me, don't do it, Rags, you're going to regret it. But I had a wonderful experience. Um, and then when I went looking for the new private equity partners, which was, as I said, last December, I looked for the same sort of people. And you're absolutely right, Elliot, in that I looked for people rather than money and I left a substantial amount of money on the table, actually. I had much bigger offers, but they weren't the right people. So I said no. We'll have our final chat with our guest today, plus play a track from Esperanza Sporting. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business... But it's personal. La 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 That was Precious from Esperanza Sporting. And just for a few more Precious Minutes, I have Reagan Moyer-Jones as my business shaper. A couple of things I want to cover before we ask you um, what your song choice is and say goodbye to you, which I don't want to do too fast. 
the innovation behind your brand is very, very important. We, you talked about quality, and quality is manifest in many ways, especially mm-hmm. in the way that a business can expand from its proposition. Tell me a little bit about why the Merino wool thing has come about, why the other products have come about. Where has that come from? Is it just back to your instinct and what it is to be a mum, or is it a bit more than that? Is it a bit more scientific now that you're bigger? I'd like to tell you it was very scientific and I'm this brilliant, you know, genius person, but it's not. It's very much me still as a mother of four girls and what I want in my house and things that I would buy for my children. That is very much a driving factor of what gets, you know, put into the product portfolio at Aiden and A. I run the business very much like a democracy. There is nobody who has. Do you a, really? I really do. Because people uh, say that, but it been, would, that, would your would your team say that? I can honestly say you could interview the hundred people that work with me, Might take and, up on it. and I think the they would tell you that it doesn't matter what role you have at Aiden and A. If you're the office manager or the CFO, you're treated exactly the same way, and your voice is heard equally. So if one of them has a great idea, you go, hold on a minute, that's fantastic. We're going to follow that. Lots of our team has come up with product ideas that have been implemented and now selling millions of dollars so and worn by lots of celebrities i mean this was the thing that the british public would have seen that prince george would have been seen in and, and i know that beyonce's uh, beyonce's children have, have worn uh, has worn your your stuff as well Th- that's important but it isn't the core of the business is it it really isn't and i'm glad you brought that up because so few people let when they talk about the celebrity thing, I always tell the the people that are, are talking to me about it that it is absolutely wonderful that these celebrities are using the product. Obviously, it's just sort of it's free PR for the company, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. But you know, even with the Duchess, as wonderful as that was, I am much more appreciative to the millions of mothers who have helped me build this business from my dining room table to employing a hundred people around the world now. And it was them that got us to the point that the Duchess walks into a store and goes, that's the product I want for my baby. So yes, it's important, but what's more important is that we appeal to every mum out there. They're the everyday mums like me. And beyond the everyday mums, it also strikes me that what's important to you is actually doing good things. You've written a book, um, Swaddle Love. You're a, a champion of the sudden infant death syndrome um, uh, affliction that, that hits a lot of families. You're involved in the, um, uh, if I believe it, I'm right, Aiden and a Swaddle Love Foundation, which is mm-hmm. all about helping kids in, orphan- in orphanages have a better life. You just got involved with Red. This is not one thing. This is not lip service. You really do believe that a brand can play a very positive role. It seems to me. I really do. And again, you know, this comes back to me being a mum and the thought of, God forbid, something happening to one of my girls or them getting sick. So, you know, I I have been blessed a thousand times over with my family and my business and it's just, it would be wrong if I didn't take every opportunity to give back. So I do it and I do it with a smile on my face and quite honestly, it's it's absolutely the best part of my job. Fantastic. Um, what is your song choice today, Reagan, and why have you chosen it? Uh, my song choice is Here Comes the Sun by Nina Simone. I've been listening to it for many, many years, and it always makes me smile when I hear it. Well, here it is. This is your choice. Thank you very much for being my business shaper today. Coming up now, it's Nina Simone and Here Comes the Sun. Thanks, Elliot. Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, I say, it's alright It's alright 
That was Here Comes the Sun from Nina Simone, the song choice of my business shaper today, Reagan Moyer-Jones. Hard-working. How many of you could do two jobs at once, in effect, and also look after a family of four? Incredibly focused. She knew and understood her market super well and stuck to it, and unbelievably tough. Even in the dark moments, she pulled herself through to ensure she was successful. Fantastic stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, for another edition of Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Do stay with us in the meantime, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.